take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. I know that one. With the stars, Art Cardi. <coughs> Audrey Meadows and Joyce Randolph. Wasn't that guy a screamer? Uh, yeah, you Why did he so. scream their names? Because uh, it was <laughs> hip at the time, I guess. I don't fucking know, man. We were recording now? Yep. All right. Yeah, no, I have no idea, man. It was, it was again, a hip at the time. I guess the scream. I guess, I guess they had to out. overcome the shitty, like, because you don't know, like, because these were TV shows we're talking about here, yeah. right? Uh-huh. To overcome the shitty sound system in, a reg- in your regular, like, television back then, I can yeah. only imagine the shit they had to do. Hmm. This is a crazy, yeah, just the crazy shit they had to do to do that. People were idiots, though, too. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. I mean, that's part of it. We, um, Tom and I, I, I'm reviewing for the folks out there, Tom and I, for about a year, a glorious year in 1994, we lived in the Mission District in San Francisco, oh, yeah. and um, the Mission District was um, not what it is today, which mm. is to say, pretty much like a it's like a, t- a tech heaven, right? I mean, it's it's it's, oh, it's affordable so, only it's, to the Silicon Valley. It's gentrified. It's crazy gentrified. It's crazy gentrified with like artisanal, like everything, foods and stuff to be had all in the neighborhood. It's just it's just gone completely bananas. Well, I mean, the thing about gentrification is it does all of that stuff that gentrification does, which, to be honest with you, is sometimes <coughs> good and sometimes really shitty. But it's got the arrogance of like keeping a certain number of things about for their amusement, right? Right, right. Like yeah, that, well, yeah. That it's, taco it's, shop that's been there for fifty years. Isn't that cool, man? Yeah, they never clean this place, right. man. You know, it's so authentic. <laughs> it's so, uh, yeah, it's with the, yeah the authentic friggin' historicity or but whatever. We, we lived there before gentrification, bags. certainly, because it was the only affordable thing I'm, around. You know, yeah. I would say we were like almost the cutting edge of gentrification, except <laughs> okay. there was kind of a huge lag between when we were there and when yeah. it actually started. So, yeah, we had a two two yeah. bedroom apartment. I remember it was like a one bedroom, but we turned the, li- the dining room into your bedroom or yep. something. That was my bedroom, and then there was a little offshoot thing, and that's where your son stayed. My t- three year old son, when I had him on the weekends, would stay in this uh, a closet, Essentially really. Essentially a closet. Yeah. 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 San Francisco. It had a window. It definitely had a window. And, and then, then I looked out into a pile of used condoms and shite. Yep. Uh, and uh, the neighbors it. upstairs were always Tennessee Williams saying, the, uh, uh, Rachel, Rachel. God, let me in. Uh, I, forgive me, Rachel. Tennessee Williams, well put. Yeah. yeah. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> and then the guy tried to kill himself and did a poor job. He did a bad job. Yeah. He just ended up, he just ended up staring into the middle distance. Yeah. Forever. So, um, yeah, so that was that was 1994 for us, and and yeah. um, Tom's still suffering from his uh, long illness. So f- forgive him, people. But yes, please do. But the content will be there. But but um, yeah. you know, it's uh, in order to be like a possibly better father and you to be a better uncle, um, we decided to get this cat, Poncho. Poncho. Poncho the cat. Poncho the kitty. Yeah, Poncho just for the name. Had a great name. Got him down at the SBCA of mm-hmm. San Francisco. Well, that being the case, he was also a pretty great kitty. I like Poncho a lot. No, he wasn't at all. What are you talking about? I love that cat. Well, it doesn't ruin my story. It just it just makes it a conversation rather than a story. Like Poncho was not a good cat because Poncho would escape everywhere and then come back with loads of fleas. Well, yeah, I didn't say he, didn't say he was perfect. Yeah, he was a real asshole. And <laughs> that way. he bit me. 
a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm thinking the, the most um, sort of um, memorable occasion with you and I and Poncho was when he did have fleas. We decided we would give Poncho a bath. Yeah, that's right, right. So we did, but, but not just give him a bath. No. I mean, let's make this a fucking nightmarish equation. Well, if we could all possibly pull it off. We're not only surgeons, we're oh. anesthesiologists. So we decided that the best course of action would be to get ourselves high and, and get Poncho high. Sure, because let's, that would let's mellow him, him from out. Fucking reality for a little while here. Let's mellow this cat Ooh, out, yeah, and then we'll lock him in the bathroom and ourselves in the bathroom mm-hmm. with Poncho, right? And we'll start. We'll run some water. What could be the problem? Whatever I do, I read something. Whatever I say, <laughs> do <laughs> not open yeah, this door. Yeah, no matter how much I beg and plead. Yes, that's oh a good my comparison. God damn it! Yeah. So here Whoa. we were, high in a in a tiny bathroom with a cat. That with as soon as we put the water cat. on, oh. went crazy. It was like our arms were Velcro and his claws were Velcro. That really hurts. Yeah, and he was just. We were passing him from arm to arm, like from bleedy arm to bleedy arm. Yeah, well, I remember. I remember it started off re- relatively calm. We got yeah. him into the tub. Uh-huh. I was holding like both sets of his legs, <laughs> and there was like this. Is, there was a certain amount of water in the tub, but the tub had a leak. And oh, so that's right. Yeah, you decided to add water to the tub. Add a little water. Then the. Water was like right, in, was close enough to his head mm-hmm. to induce a panic, and I'm holding yeah. onto his legs, and like mm-hmm. the the equation became very clear very quickly, which is, hey, mm-hmm. you're gonna do one of two things: you're gonna either let go of my legs, mm-hmm. or they're coming the fuck out of the socket because right. this shit is not gonna stand. Yeah, yeah. Like I would never like this. You, you think about feral intensity and like the savage intensity like a wild animal can bring to something. Yeah. You th- cats have that shit in them, and this this was mm-hmm. like that. There was there's no fucking holding this cat. When that happened, and at that point, whoa, yeah, we were just yeah. fucking terrorized adults. It was bad. We never ever managed to get the fleas off of him, but we came out of there like it was it was D Day. Yeah, it was it was fucking, fucking awful. Man. Did we close it and lock it on him for a few minutes at least? Well, we did that. Also, we went to a rock uh, festival, you and I, and then at somewhere on the mm, ride home, we realized mm, that we had left. Him. Poncho in a closet while we were cleaning out his cat box and totally forgot about him over Memorial Day weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a, as I recall a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. We did we did well. We did well, but you know the thing is, I I have actually I, I grew up a little bit since then. So I was in my twenties and I grew up, I grew to love animals. But that's the other thing I wanted to point out. Like you didn't like Poncho, no. At all, but I at hated the same Poncho. time, you didn't like animals in, in general. No, it was point. a big effort to be a good father <coughs> to to try yeah. to like like this cat, and I hated this cat. Right, right, right. Cat was an asshole, and probably. It would, like, it, it would have been like you bringing in a white supremacist for your kid or something like that. <laughs> I guess it would be like that. Yeah. Like that. He <laughs> fucking like this bastard at all, but the kid loved him. It was like a white supremacist new great magic trick. And you're holding the white supremacist legs while I turn. Don't turn the water on, Joe. Nine, nine. And we're soaking a white supremacist while we're high in a tub. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, That's like where that, this is yeah. going. <laughs> oh, God. And if you ever, I remember one thing I remember so vividly about mm-hmm. that, and I never. Deflete a cat at all? I never done any of that mm, shit we before. We didn't that day either. Yeah. Well, we do. No, we did to a certain extent. We not successfully. Mm-hmm, we did manage mm-hmm. to turn him into a bloody mop as all the fleas on him, yeah. like engorged with blood, shat the blood all over the place. That That's right. cat looked fr- that that was fucking frightening. He was yeah. <laughs> he was a terrifying animal. He eventually ran away, I believe. Oh, uh, did he? I don't know. Nah. 
It's probably still out there. <laughs> seeking vengeance. Avenge me! <laughs> anyway, so I, I bring all that up because we're, we're talking about the star, Art Carney! Uh, Art Carney. And, um, and two films, and the first one is 1974's Harry and Tonto. It's very cat-themed, I would say. I would say. Partially so it's at least cat-themed. halfway cat-themed. <laughs> it's hat-cat-themed. <laughs> just, just, just from the name alone. <laughs> Hat-calf. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, look, um, it's it's directed by Paul Mazursky. Paul Mazursky. Um, interesting thing about uh, uh, no one, many people don't think about Art Carney in terms of films because he didn't do many. He didn't do. All, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that I had I had so many thoughts watching this movie. Yep. One of them was that Art Carney basically had two sort of careers: one, mm-hmm. second banana back in the sixties, the honeymooners, the honeymooners. He was Jackie Gleason's second banana, and always a second banana. And he was on the Harry Morgan radio show in the forties. Uh, he did a number. I yeah. think he's like number two or three on the most Twilight Zone episodes he's okay. ever been on. Mm-hmm. That's as close as he came to really starring. And even though yeah. he was widely acknowledged as a tremendous talent, yeah. he didn't have the look. I mean, he just never looked like he didn't look like a star. Even back then, even yeah. when fucking Ernest uh, Borgnine was a star, <laughs> and Jackie Carney, Gleason, yeah, Art Carney wasn't a star. Right? Okay, he yeah. didn't have that that magnetic thing, so he didn't have that at the time. But in the, like in the seventies, when we went through like this nostalgia phase, I don't know what else to call it, but there was a nostalgia phase mm-hmm. um, for back towards old vaudevillians. Okay, um, he managed to get a second career almost. Like we're That's talking like the Sunshine Boys. Uh, this movie here, like there's, there was these he was on the Broadway and Sunshine Boys, I guess. But he was also was, wasn't he in the movie as no, well? That was George Burns and uh, Walter Matthau. Uh, I'm thinking of somebody. Okay, then but I'm thinking what, of I mean, another movie where he was in, in there style, with George Burns. I think maybe I think that's it. Going yeah. with style, yeah. yeah. So there was like this, this 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 sort of second coming that he had, mm-hmm. like almost a second career, well past you know well past normal star days. And I think it, like I said, I think it was part of that that nostalgia thing that hit in the late 70s. Yeah, he didn't quite. Yeah, I agree. I agree that the 70s did do that to us. It it, it, it wanted to well. I mean, so that's kind of the interesting thing about this film. You know, mm-hmm. I, maybe I could just sort of start by saying this. Uh, this is a film that's different than other film about older people. So, like, Art Carney's in this film in 1974. He's, yes. in, he's in a couple of things, the things you're talking about. He's come off the honeymooners in the 50s and the, the, the sort of ongoing honeymooners that was went on from Florida in the 60s. Right, right, right. right? And, and so um, he's, he's been on, on Broadway as... Um, Felix Unger and, and the Odd Couple, right. you know, but that's not really necessarily his bag either. And so, yeah, you're right. How does he have this sort of like first coming in a way as a, the star of a film as an as an older man, like mm-hmm. an elderly man? Right. And I, I think one of the interesting things is this: I think most movies about old people mm-hmm. don't work, and the reason is they're not made by old people. Right. They're right, made right. by people who can only imagine. <laughs> What it is, and two right. things happen. It's either like the old person is completely lost, or worse, is the old person who's a fish out of water. So you get like space cowboys or like old guys who ride motorcycles right. and a gang, and they're right. just fucking dreadful well, you know what it is? and embarrassing. It was, like this, it, was like, it was also this weird transitional period in, in American culture. This like yep. a very hardcore transition going on at the same time. Okay. And so older people like so, so in this movie what you see is Art Carney being an older dude yep. but a hip but 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 a cool he's an open minded older person well, which is what makes this whole fucking movie work I, it, to some degree I mean I, I think I might be saying the same thing you're saying but here, here's how I would frame it <coughs> it's it, it, there's nothing about older people that's that much different from let's say you and I as middle aged right, people in the following sense we all will wonder at one point or another, whatever happened to that person who I lost my virginity to, Mm -hmm. or that person I had a job with when I was in high school. And and most likely you're never going to track them down, but you're searching for that and you're searching for answers. And in a weird way, the older you get, well, 
some people, the older you get, you get weirdly sort of more tolerant of the world because you stacked up all of those sort of wonderings right. you've had. And mm-hmm. one of two things happens. Either you die wondering, right. or in the case of, of Harry and Tonto... You, 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 you go and look it up. You go look it up. You go right. look people up, but you you go look the scene up. You connect with people, and so that's what's interesting about this film. Right. And I don't know why Mazursky's so good at it, but he's good at a lot of things as an actor and as a director. Okay, so I got I just another thing I was thinking as I was watching this, and help me out here. Um, um, remember Strozak? That's exactly the comparison. This I was is this make. is like the this is like. The, this is like Strozak was a movie that was exploring the dark, seamy side of the weird American mm-hmm. dream going on. Yep. This is the one celebrating it. Yeah, in a weird way, but it doesn't do it in a, <coughs> except for one or two scenes that perhaps it was just sort of obligatory. It doesn't do it in a way that's that's as corny as you would expect it to be. No, it's no. It's very, no. That, mm-hmm. that, that 1970s thing that's interested in like like the Midwest, the dreary, rainy Midwest and what these t- little towns are like, mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, Indiana or whatever it is. And, right. and, and so anyway, so we sh- I guess we should start by saying this is a film about about Harry, Harry Coombs, who's a retired sort of literature professor, right? Yep. Uh-huh. And he lives in he lives in New York City with his cat Tonto. His cat Tonto. He walks his cat Tonto around on a fucking leash. And Tonto's I was wondering how many friend. fucking how many stunt cats they had on this goddamn <laughs> set. I was watching this thing and after a while I was like, God, that poor fucking animal. If it's one animal, that poor fucking animal, like <laughs> Yeah, no, no, like forty fucking orange tabbies. Yeah, no question. But but he's got this relationship with a cat that he doesn't. And, and the thing is, it's it could have easily gone this way that he has a relationship with a cat that he has with nobody else, and that's not exactly true either. Like he he is able to sort of he's an old man. He's not lost. He loves people. He yeah. communicates with people. He gets along with them. He's, he's interested in and people. He's, and he's interested in people, and he's old enough to be utterly honest. Almost 100%. most of all the time, you know. Yeah. So he has like these these friends from the neighborhood that the, the Polish communist and he, right. he everything there's nothing to argue about it's really rather about like do you remember the first jugs you saw when you when you were back in poland when right. you were the in important a, things in fucking life right yeah. he's talking about like his first his first his first great love the woman yeah. who took his virginity and and so he's got that and and and, and the, the sort of the, the first problem of the film is that he's going to be displaced i mean it's a very real problem in the right. world right? right which is they're going to tear down his building it's very much of like 1974 in new york where it's like oh, the muggings fucking, the fucking and, hellscape of new york in the yeah. 70s yeah i think I wonder, you know, I've always thought like maybe that that was over exaggerated. I don't think it. No. I don't think it was. I no. think it really was hell in a lot of ways. I, I remember going there for the first time in the mid '80s, and it was still hellish. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, like yeah. late '80s is when I got there first. But yeah. yeah, so 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 I mean that's that's really it's like the displacement because oh he has God. his life down. He's got it absolutely down to a T, and he's mm-hmm. got it's it's comfortable. But and yet he's still an interesting, engaging person. And so he walks, you know, Tonto out, and he sings to Tonto, and he meets his friends, and he reads mm-hmm. the New York Times, and he quotes literature. Badly, sometimes. When he gets angry, he just starts shouting from uh, from Lear. But he's very Lear. something about Art Carney is very very believable. And there's one yes. sort of interesting fact about Carney is Carney. I, I don't know if this fits into why he's so believable, but Carney recognized in himself an early, and I'm talking in his teenage years, um, alcoholic problem. He he was a boozer, a juicer, mm. and he had a terrible terrible problem. And so he struggled with his whole life. He quit during the filming of this this movie. Really? I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but the second movie, which is three years later, he actually some of the dark circles under his eyes go away. <laughs> go away, right? But it's he almost filled like in a little bit. Yeah, it's a film that's so so transformative in terms of the character. I'm not surprised that he was mm. sort of transformative. You know that, and that makes him very authentic in this film. But yeah. but anyway, he's displaced, and now. Now the deal is, it's it's not just about like where is he going to go, but now he has to confront several things, including his three kids. Right. And so the first kid lives out on Long Island in a very mm-hmm. sort of like suburban lifestyle, right. and and I, just to say up front, part of the film is also about 
being old and being old in the face of your kids, which means this. Mm -hmm. They are disappointments to you sometimes. Right. And you are disappointments to them. At least a little bit of a disappointment to them. And and maybe they like you or maybe they (coughs) love you, but they don't necessarily like you or connect. Or why is it that we don't talk or or, or any of those sort of things? Right. Even though they have a mutual admiration. Like Ellen Burson. Can we we cut forward a little bit? Yeah. She's more interesting of of the children. Yeah. I think she's the most interesting of them. I don't know. Let's let's let's. Can you, do you mind if we hold back for a second? Because okay, okay. I'd like to sort of com- take notes. Because he starts off by, by going to suburban, you know, whatever right. Long Island with, with his son, who's very much kind of like he's the good, he's the, the most good reliable. Son. He's son. the good son, right? yeah. yeah. Who, who, he's who, the son who's made good ish. Yep. Right, and, and 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 is able to extend a certain amount towards his father. Just yeah. not enough. There's just there's sometimes it just isn't a way to have enough. He wants to hug him. He wants to love him, but he doesn't know how to actually connect with him. And he's not an intellectual like Art Carney is. Right. And and, and he, you know so Art Carney's there with his grandsons. His wife's and he's trying kind to of a figure... kind of a battle axe in a way. Well, I mean, it's an understandable way. Yeah. yeah, she's doing. She's working with what she's got, but she's she's got a battle axe tendency going. But on. But you get these early sort of things, and it's such great writing because it's like Art Carney. You know, even like the first sort of like mistake they could make is that he really in his discussion with one of his grandsons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is relating if, like what do you do with the old and the young in a movie? And it's like he's just he's simply curious. Like what do you do? Do you take drugs? There's no speech coming. Right. It's just like what what is your know. life about? Because the kid is is doing a Little Miss Sunshine. I'm pretty sure Little Miss Sunshine stole this from from Harry and Tom. Oh, there's a few yeah stolen things here. Yeah, but 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 well, the kid is basically not taking a vow of silence, but yeah. he's just stopped talking for whatever reason. Yeah, and he's, he's taking he's pi- exploring things, peyote and, yeah. and eating air or something crazy like that. And so mm-hmm. Carney's just sort of like. Well, turn me on to what you what you're doing here. Talk to me, kiddo. Give me some books. Let me read. So he decides Give me some literature. He decides suddenly, like he really doesn't have a place there. He he needs his mm-hmm. own space. He and, and Tonto. So so really, the rest of the film becomes this sort of road trip. You know, the son pays to fly him out to California, but the, but you know, Tonto the cat can't, won't can't. get on the plane. Well, no, he can't get on a plane because they need to run him through like the X-ray machine. He won't allow Art it. Art Carney's like, fuck you. You're not taking my cat yeah. out of my hands. So boom, goes to get into a goes to get into a Greyhound. Yeah, and cross the country that way. Unfortunately, the cat's got to pee. And trying to hold that cat over the cat, that's one of the funniest scenes in the whole fucking yeah. movie, is him trying to hold a, that, that cat over like a Greyhound bus toilet. Oh, one yeah. Those rotten, those wretched fucking, oh my God. Which, you know, what doesn't you work. Pray so for a fucking, you pray for a porta potty on the third day of the festival rather than one of those things. So, plane doesn't work, bus doesn't work. And so, the rest of the film is really him sort of driving in some beat driving up car. Being, that he, yeah, he, yeah, he buys a car and then he eventually starts. Um, uh, hitchhiking, that thing nobody was, does anymore. Right. So, so the, really, the film is it's, it becomes a classic sort of like road trip in the, in the tapestry of people. And I don't know why it's what it done is, so much better than other films in terms yeah. of the tapestry of people. The tapestry of people, well played. That's a good, that's a way, great way to put it because he's running up against these background characters that have yep. this that that have a minute effect, but but a telling an important effect. So he runs into this young woman who's a hitchhiker, and he start and they start talking, and they 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 make a you know lost in translation sort of non-sexual connection. Well, that's the thing. Appeal. I mean, I would and say it's talk- even, mm-hmm. even less sexual than, than Lost in Translation oh, yeah. in a way. I mean, it's it's what's really interesting. There's a great scene where, she, where they're sharing a hotel room and she comes out bare-chested and, and he turns away in embarrassment and she says, does this embarrass you? And he says, yes, I'm older. This embarrasses he, he me. He says that, right? Rather I, than going, no, I'm cool. You know, like yeah. that what most all of us would do. So that bullshit lie. He goes, this thing embarrasses me yeah. because I'm a certain age. And, and it immediately becomes a conversation about like, well, what has his sexual life been like? In right. a very respectful, it's not like, you know, tee old man talking mm-hmm. about sex. Like he's really ruminating 
over these sexual experiences right. and, and romantic experiences, he's limited as they love, are in his this, life. This love that he had had at one point and so, this curiosity that comes along with it. So she's like, let's go, let's go find this person. And again, I don't know why in, in so many conditions in a film that would be so corny, like, let's go find this person. But there's uh, something very believable about her being hooked into his discovering himself or the right. last of himself, maybe. You know what it is? I think what I think what because I think what it is is most movies like this yeah. play a kind of wisdom status game with the characters. Yes. Like you're this right. person is wise and this person is more wise than this person. Yep. And in this case, Mazursky, the, the director, doesn't make any of that shit happen. It's right. not a matter of who's wiser, it's just a person making the suggestion that the other person hadn't quite thought of. And that's and then and it moves in that direction. And but 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 both ways. Interestingly uh, because yeah, absolutely the, the the young woman is wise to him and yep. he is wise in his turn back towards her. Yeah. yeah. So I mean it's got it's got all this sort of stuff and you you mentioned that you know they stop off in Chicago to see his second kid who's had these misconnections with that's Ellen Burstyn. She's great. She's, she's awesome. I she's think always she's great. maybe my yeah, maybe my favorite kid in the movie because she doesn't get uh, she doesn't get she doesn't get Harry and she she yeah. loves Harry she doesn't get Harry and Harry doesn't get her like they, yeah. you could tell that they're almost the closest yeah I know we these way, children they, and they the mutually don't the most, get each other they're most <laughs> the most alienated because yeah. they're also capable of being honest about how little That's they right. get each other yeah so it's really yeah it's a nice little exploration of that relationship I think so too I mean I'm, I, we can go back but like I, I think the reason I, I I don't like the third kid Larry Hagman the best I don't like him the best I like the opportunity that he provides because mm-hmm. because what happens is um by the way a bloated larry <laughs> he's so uh, i mean the guy wow. he really was a drunk but yeah. but but you know um carney finally arrives in los angeles and and larry hagman's like great we'll move in together dad and so forth and 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 art carney has to give him the speech like i want you to become a real person like yeah. i'll be here but i want you to become the person i know you can be and so it's like it's not bereft of elderly wisdom either right it doesn't sort of like take the, the there's this moment where like he really does have something to offer one of his kids in terms of like, hey, I want you to be an adult here. Mm-hmm. So that's the opportunity I like. But but all these, I don't know, the film is, I really have almost nothing bad to say about the film. There's one, there's a little bit of writing that gets <coughs> toward the end. Like, they're, they're trying to sort of, um, I, there's a fish out of water moment, I feel, with him and, and the hooker who picks him up. And it's like, yeah, for I'm some sure, reason, yeah. she's going to blow him. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it kind of right. takes a cheap shot there. It's, yeah, well, it doesn't, and it doesn't really conclude to anything either. It doesn't. There's no, there's no lesson learned on that, except he's basically raped, is what happens. Yeah. He, is, is what we see is her uh, picking him up on the side of the road and yeah. then driving up some uh, some tan track, some dirty uh, some yep. some little off the off the road thing, you know, into the wilderness to fuck him. Mm-hmm. And and he's not into it. He yep. has no money. He's like, "I don't want to do it." And so ultimately it looks like rape as much as anything else. Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, look, there's also like um there's no sexual tension between him and the young girl who's with him. I mean, we already covered that. But the fact that other people think there is when she's 15, and that's kind of a tee-hee joke, I'm willing to trade off the sort of, like, he gets right. Like, it's just part of 1974, I yeah, suppose, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And I think the other thing, the other one is he's jailed briefly for for, for pissing in public. And there's a classic sort of, like, um, meeting with, a, like, the Native American. And, and the Native American actor and the character is, is fine. Like, yeah. there's, it's great. But there's mm. a little bit of, like, you know, Cuckoo's Nest, like, mmm, juicy fruit. Route. That's like I don't even know why this is in there. It doesn't really lead to it anything. Doesn't, yeah, right. it doesn't. Yeah, it's a dead end essentially. It's yeah. like it's like it's like you know what? I'm sorry. This is a movie set yeah. in, in 1974. Yeah. We have to have a Native American yeah. be strangely wise mm. in an incongruous way. 
Yeah, and so yeah, there's that, yes. right? It's the convention of the time, and also it's like it, it is difficult. I think that um, I don't want to call them montage movies, but whatever it is, like the <coughs> the, the tapestry of characters that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. it's difficult to know when to stop. I think once I you start it, and I think that just happens in this movie a little bit. So it's it's the only thing like I give it three and a half instead of four stars to something is, is I guess that reason the classic 1970s cinematography. Oh yeah. Um, Everything is it just reeks. You could feel the seventies. I remember the seventies. I was there. And yeah, and it's it a, felt like it. It's appropriately nostalgic and sad. When he looks up his his um the the woman he lost his virginity to, and she's in a, in a old, age, o- old home. age home, and she doesn't really recognize him. And he well, dances you know with her. She, she remembers the name of his ex of his wife. Yeah. That he that he went with instead of her back in the day. Yeah, she's she has partial sort of recall, and so there's this sort of like you know he dances with her, and that could have been very very over the top. Or when he loses um, Tonto the cat in a graveyard for a moment, he's he's just like panicking. Like you, yeah. All of that stuff could be over the top, but for some reason they played it just right, yeah. just the appropriate amount. And you know, you you got to risk sentimentality, right? That's yeah, that's course. what makes a film great is that you risk that it's going to be so over the top. hard to do. But it, was, it would be very hard to do. I think it was probably easier back then. But at the same time, like and then then they played some tropes that were interesting. Like, so what do you think about Tonto? Because Tonto dies. Way to blow it for us. So, no sorry. use no, but, watching but, it, but, it is, but that's not the end of the movie, which <laughs> no, I thought no, it was no. going to be the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He then runs across another orange tabby, which we are then... But I like that because he does I did too. I, I thought it was really Here's nice. what I thought they were going to do to ruin it, is that he would pick the tabby up and then take it home and it would be like Tonto, Tonto Jr. Or yeah, something. And right. it wasn't. It was no. just sort of like, oh, there's a, there are more <laughs> out there. They're almost like all these stories of cats and, yeah. who have humans in a way. Mm-hmm. I, it's very, very... I mean, it, I, that's a good movie. It is it's a, a fun. It's, well, it's look, a great movie, and you know what? If you want to like sit your kids down and watch a good movie from the seventies, mm-hmm. that's that's just that that's just good. Yeah. I, this is one of them. Sit your kids down. Watch sit your this kids movie, down kid. and watch this movie. Well, kid. I mean, he won the um, for seventy four. He won the the best actor award, and so it's like he did be- he for he, that. He beats out Al Pacino in Godfather two. He beats out Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. And you know what? I'm not sure that it was a bad move. A lot of people decry his winning, but it's like. It, you know, well, okay, yeah. He was so subtle. He was really okay. So, okay, so let's take a step back. Yeah. I didn't realize that part, okay. and it is a little bit hard to think of him being, you know. But yeah, I agree. He was. I fucking, get why people he are was, upset. but he was. I would say he was really tremendous in this movie. Yeah, he was. Tremendous. He was really fucking great. Like you could see all that that, that that leading a man acting chops that he never had a chance to really develop, and it all came to like right in this movie. Yeah, he was exactly what this movie needed. Oh yeah. <coughs> Well, so, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd love to talk about our second movie, and we will. But can we interrupt it? <coughs> by, by, we it. got a really cute email. Yeah, from a, from a listener. I've been uh, I've been talking for a while. You know, asking asking you guys to hey maybe drop us a line, ask yeah. us any questions you might have, yeah. or <laughs> suggestions for movies. And so I'm, gonna, got, I'm just going to read it in its entirety. Like, again, I, I'm going to I don't we shouldn't probably say the name, but I'm going to call this person Charlie Bucket because this is what this person reminds me. We can't me. say the name. Okay, can we? I guess What's we can. The first but it, name, but it's just like this is the most nice and like What's innocent a weird person first name. Ever. I I've never heard this name before. It's Max Juan. Max Juan. Yeah. Okay, so here it is, dear Finley. Uh, Finley's on film, guys. Love the show, exclamation mark. Thank you. It makes me want to visit Fresno, even though you seem to hate it, and you have miserable childhood memories from that town. Don't fucking do it. Oh, my God. What are you thinking? (laughs) Have you not been listening? Come to the Fresno. Yes, my my friend. Oh, no. Tom's a transplant, so he doesn't really understand the magic that is Fresno. There's so many millions of other places you can get stabbed. Just go to those places. Tom did not have childhood memories from from here, except visiting during Thanksgiving, by the way. He did not grow up here. That is Joe. That's all Joseph. But fair enough. Well, that's, that's that's the thing that I'm really most interested about this evening. But I get there in a second. 
I have some questions and requests. I imagine you guys get a good amount of comments about the show. No, we don't. Actually, none at all. I no, love you're the first, and that's why you're getting <laughs> No, we've got, No, treatment. that's untrue. We've gotten uh, some before. Oh, yeah. Right. I like the range of topics you cover, <laughs> but I wonder if you're ever going to do Spanish-language classic movie like Bunel or Victor Arias. I don't know Let's Victor step back. Arias. Let's step back. I don't know either of those. So basically, you oh, just suggested to... Bunel, Bunel is, I understand. I definitely want to do because he's done uh, Las Alvaditos, uh, which yeah. is a brutal... He's a Mexican director from the, the 50s. Mm-hmm. Brutal film. He is like way ahead of his times in terms of like violent um, emotion. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, he is. I I would love I, to I've do. I've heard of him. I haven't heard of the other guy. I, no, nor have I. If you have other uh, Spanish directors, please send them to us because I would love to learn. Well, let's. Do, I don't let's know enough a, about a this. And I don't even have a list. At so some point, you are helping me start a list right there. Okay. Now it gets. So, thank so, you. so that's fair enough. That now it gets interesting. Do you guys like each other? Question mark. You come off like two guys just giving each other a hard time, but I imagine two guys who love what they do but hate each other like a lot of radio teams of the past. Please address this. <laughs> uh, it's too painful. Anyway, um, yeah. I, I, for one, I love Joe. Oh, yeah, I love Tom. Joe's, my, uh, Joe's, Joe's maybe my best friend. Yep, likewise. Um, and we we have a uh, we have um, sometimes contentious differences of opinions, but mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. and also we have a lot of differences in the way we express ourselves. It, it gives us the necessary tension, I think, to add. I think it adds the element to the show. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, really, it's it's like a ninety <coughs> ten split. It's definitely like ninety love, and then ten percent of the time where we just kind of drive each other a little. Well, bit because I think we're so intensely interested in things, even when they're the same things, that um, there's a lot at stake sometimes yeah, when, yeah. when we talk to each other, yeah. right? And I would have to say this, too. I mean, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that this show has changed over the time period in which we've been doing it. It's been, been about a year, right? Uh-huh. Thereabouts. So, like, when we started off, I think we were much more contentious than we are now. I think, And I think we thought that that hmm. was built into it a little bit. I think we were trying a little bit more to be a little more contentious than we are now, and now we're just letting it happen. Oh, it in other words, we didn't want to be a boring show where people just sort of like yeah. agree. Yeah, no, that's probably. I know true. I was. I know I felt more aggressive when we first started off, and I don't think we are. I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah, maybe, but I do think there is some natural <coughs> tension. I do think there's natural tension, but right. but but uh, the ninety percent like is stronger. Over and you just see this fucking pinhead. You know, every yeah. once in a while, you just you know, no like, one would accuse you of being a pinhead. That's for no, sure. No, sir. So finally, one of you is a teacher and. One one of you is a comedian. That's good listening, by the way. Yeah. Um, who do you think has the harder job? Well, let's back up. All okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, first off, um, being a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. um, is um, it, 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 it's not really a job. No, no. One until that. until until it becomes like, right. Until you make a large amount of money, mm-hmm. it's not a job people can live doing. No. Okay. So, in that sense, it's very difficult. There's a lot of things that go into it. And mm-hmm. There's a higher turnover rate in this than there is probably in the fucking Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. as far as doing stand up. So, there's a lot of difficulty in doing stand up, but I don't, I don't consider it a job so much. Um, yeah. I'd love for it to become my full time job. I would totally fucking live with that. And in that case, your job would be much more difficult. Yeah. If this were my job, your job would be way more difficult than the teacher. Yeah, I can't I would say. That. What do you think? No, 100%. My job's better, and I'm better. Which one of you? Now, this, spiritually, this is the, no. I think you meant debtor, but go on. <laughs> um, I mean, Tom's job is. And I love the way. I, by the way, I love, love the way this thing closes I, out here. I do. I do. By the way, a version of what Tom does. I mean. I get up in front of people and I, I speak extemporaneously sometimes, and mm-hmm. sometimes that even involves humor. But the thing is, 
What I do is I'm with the same 30 people for six months. Yeah. And so to be able to deliver whatever it is, uh, whatever it is I want to get them to, is much easier in some sense because I haven't just met them and I, bet I have to do it right now. So that sense, I think Tom's job is harder. But this one, this is the closing question, which I don't, I love I don't really understand because, well, here it is. Which one of you is the taller one and which one is the rounder one? I love that it's just rounder. It's From so adorable. Pizza. Well, but hold on a second. Here's what's weird about that. listening. Uh, I am listening. Yeah, no, no, a, he is. He is not on this one. So I, here's what I think is weird about that question is I don't know how he gets the idea. One of us is taller and one of us is rounder. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is the only picture I can see to sort of references to is the Photoshop you've done for the Maltese Falcon right. where we put your round head on. I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> I would, I would and I'm only taller. And I am actually taller, but I'm only placed taller in that picture because I'm top, on top of Humphrey Bogart's head. Anyway, so I'm the taller one, Joseph, and Tom's the uh, very, the, the very rounder, fat one. The very rounder yes. one. The, the much obese rounder. individual. No, no. Morbidly no. obese. <coughs> morbid, anyway, I like morbidly round. Thanks, Maxwell. We appreciate that. Uh, I was very, they, thanks so much. And, and hey, more, more of these. Keep them coming. That was Absolutely. great. Absolutely. All right. So let's get to 1977. You're ready. I'm ready. 1977's The Late Show. The Late Show. God, I remember seeing this as a kid on mm-hmm. TV and holding up my realistic, you know, um, Radio Shack tape recorder and then <laughs> listening to it over and over. It's the only time I've ever seen it was right. when I was a kid, but I listened to it so many times. I felt like I knew this this movie pretty well, and I always liked this movie, mm-hmm. and I wondered if it was a good movie when I went, I went back to see it. All right. What do you think? I do like this movie quite a bit for, okay. for numerous reasons that I think are borne out by the research I did later on. I figured out why I oh, liked it. Okay, nice. All right. Okay. Um, but it's it's a film. Okay, so it's 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 Art Carney. Right. It's Lily Tomlin. So of course we already have that sort of like There's two Lily- great comedians in the same room. I mean, fuck. Well, f- first of all, I do think Lily Tomlin <coughs> is actually a, a great comedian. Oh, she really. Is. I mean, she does some dog shit work sometimes. She does some great stuff other times. Yeah. But but you know the thing about Lily Tomlin, she's always been like a um, a, a cynical hippie. I can't think of another way to put her. She's very much like um, ferns and crystals and also right. go fuck yourself. Like that combination. Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay, I really like that like about her. That. Like, a, like a hippie who has a gun back at home. Yeah, and Art Carney is, you know, he is who he is. And at this point, he's even more crotchety he's than Harry. Yeah, he's definitely crotchety. He's a crotchety old fucker. He's so crotchety, he's an ex, He's like a private investigator. Well, so this all came so he's about. extra, extra crunchy. Robert Benton, um, whose first <laughs> writing job ever was 10 years earlier on Bonnie, he Bonnie and Clyde, the director. And so he had been working on a script for this for 10 years. Good Lord. And it was originally intended for Spencer Tracy, who was... Hmm. Who was alive in 1967? Right, ish, right. okay, I mean, ish alive. I should yes, say. Yeah. <laughs> he was life adjacent. So it's gonna be like Spencer Tracy, and then some younger, you know, Carol Burnett or something, right? Sure, sure. And, and so he'd been working on this for ten years, and he finally got around to it ten years later to making this. And he decided, as all screenwriters do, he said this in an interview. Anyone who writes a screenplay has to imagine her or himself directing it, sure. even though they almost never do, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's you know that's how it works right. in the of mind's course. eye. Inspiration, right. and so he decided to do it. And I did not realize until I saw this that it was it was written directed by Robert Benton, but it was produced by Robert Altman. I saw that, yeah, Robert yeah. Altman, yeah. So okay, yeah, so so <coughs> so it's that. It's the 1970s interest in and in kind of neo noir. Well, this is. I think this is actually. Again, I want to. I want to say this is something to do with that sense of um, nostalgia. That that again, I, I really heavily associate with the late seventies. Okay. Um, and in this case, it you know manifests itself with both Art Carney and a neo noir, as you said, a neo noir movie. Yeah. All right. Boom. Complete with dimes. You know, with dime store detectives. 
uh, dime novel detectives and then the whole nine yards and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a crime that, that's got a lot of sort of moving parts. Okay. Right. And so that's very much what's going on with this movie. Well, but one of the things that, that, that Benton was saying about it is that, um, so it's like if you look at 70s neo-noir, it's like Farewell, My Lovely, mm-hmm. um, Chinatown. Right. Right. But what's different about this film, and Chinatown is... I mean, a superior film to this, but but yeah. I mean, so and *Farewell, My Lovely*, which I have not seen, I, I heard is amazing. I like to see. Yeah, we well, should watch that. I mean, you need to see that. Okay, but so what's different? Because I need to hear what you think about that. About this film is is that Benton said that that he he took a lot from a lot of directors, but but his favorite director was Howard Hawks, and the reason that mm. Howard Hawks was his favorite director okay. was that Howard Hawks was always willing to betray the story for the characters. And if you look at Chinatown, as great as Chinatown is, and, mm-hmm. and the performances by you know Nicholson, Dunaway, and even John Houston and Roman Polanski, <laughs> it really is mostly about that complex story. Right, of and, course. And noir is, sort of tends to do that. Like, like mm-hmm. a great character rises to the surface amidst a complex story. And what's different here, I mean, frankly, the story is interesting, but there are times when I utterly lost threads. Utterly, yeah, utterly secondary to the, to the plot of the people. A hundred percent. And right. so it's noir based on characters oh, okay. in the forefront. Sure. And that's what I find really kind of interesting about this film, in a mm-hmm. way. But anyway, so go ahead. Fuck, yeah, okay. I mean, the, right. the that's, premise, that's a great observation. I hadn't thought about it. The, the premise is that that Art Carney is playing this sort of like quasi-retired, you know, right. gumshoe. He's a, he's a gumshoe. He, isn't, he, he likes to think of himself as retired, but apparently he's not at all retired. He just doesn't like people. And, well, he doesn't get much business either. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So he's like nothing going he's on. He's a basically. curmudgeon for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's renting some, f- some room in an old lady's house in Los Angeles. You right. know, his wife's died. And it all starts with, with an old sort of like, like partner his old of his. partner, like an old partner in crime sort of guy shows up it's like our dies on his doorstop right yeah of course what what happened what happened buddy and it was blah (laughs) right so he traces it back that his old partner (coughs) had been taking this job for 25 bucks a day from lily tomlin Tomlin. to to track down her cat cat right another cat movie by the way yeah all right fair enough which makes no sense at all and you're like how is this even starting a film i don't i don't get how this is going to become any kind of thing and she is like she's like She's like a hyperactive version of her normal thing, mm-hmm. the hippie chick, mm-hmm. right? So like, ah, you know, like, like, like t- I can think of like Terry Gar had a similar sort of vibe at this time period. Yeah, but she had, but Lily had like, yeah, she had hers. Hers was like stepped up a couple of ga- a couple of notches, and so it was a little bit more extreme. Yep. Again, a little bit more comedic. That was sort of where she where she was really strong. Yeah, and so like <coughs> it doesn't. So so obviously he's not initially hip to like why his partner would have taken a job for a cat or right. like he gets murdered. But but some something occurs to him that there must be he must have been onto something bigger. This must have been a, he got he right. took this case in order to get on a trail towards something, something larger. You're right, which mm-hmm. involves. Some sort Stamps? of mid-level, like like um, fence, right? Who who um, who had something to do with like a, a man who was who was um, whose wife was murdered and he was no. Yeah, it was murdered and he was beaten up and, and fifty thousand dollars worth of stamps were right. taken. That's but that's not even really the story either. Mm-hmm. It turns out to be just an excuse for some sort of illicit affair that's going to be um, revealed at a high level. And and again, it sort of goes back to you stop really caring much about what the film's about right. in a sense. And I think at the big sleep, 
from 46 is right, a little right, bit right, like right, this right, as well. Right, Famously, yeah. like, what was that movie about? Who gives a shit? Yeah, even even Chandler didn't know who killed one of the people in that fucking thing. Yeah, and, and so one of the things that, that they were saying about this film was it was it was a bit of a bother making this film because it was constantly being rewritten while they were filming it. That makes it. so much sense. <laughs> that makes so much sense because it's, it like shows in the end product. And, and they found a cameraman. And, you know, like it's like anything else, a good editor, a cameraman, like mm-hmm. to really think about how much they are involved in making a film, sure, right? Sure. So to find like a, a, a main cameraman they tried to find a cameraman who'd done nothing but like shampoo commercials <laughs> who hadn't been corrupted by a style and right. so so Altman had had sort of like given the advice find a cameraman when you do a movie who doesn't have a style yet who has some experience but no style and so between the rewriting and the no style you can totally see how this film is kind of a mess yeah except that the, the an stylistic, yeah. the stylistic tone, right. the music, the characters, and the characters are what really drive the movie, and 100%. they're the ones that make it interesting. Yeah, like the super bad guy. Can I remember the the guy's name? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen him in so many things from the seventies. Oh yeah, <coughs> I forget his name too. But he's great. Uh, fucking the big chubby dude. Yeah, big uh, chubby he's fabulous. dude. Fabulous. Um, you know, um, uh, Art Carney's other sidekick guy. Yep. He was in a ton of things back in the 70s. Uh, Fred. Oh, oh uh, Bill Macy. Who's Bill in, Macy, yeah. Who, yeah, Michelle and I just saw Serial this weekend. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that in so we long. We have to do that sometime. Oh, Bill fuck. Macy's in that. Yeah, you're thinking of Eugene Roche, who's been yeah. in a million, a million things. And, and Joanne Cassidy, who's who's a classic, like, 1970s mm. hot sort of, you know, milfy, you know. She was pretty fucking hot. <laughs> yeah, no question about in it. In, like, a way too tanned sort of a way. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. But, but it's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's the act- characters are driving. They're yeah. driving and really carrying the whole load on the sink. The script is okay. It's meh. Yeah, I mean, I would say if you were to compare it to Her- Harry and Tonto is actually an important film, and yeah. this is a very enjoyable film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, Carney's great, and and any, I, I wish he had been in more starring films, yeah. frankly. I would go with you on that one, absolutely. And yeah. You get to be a tough guy in the old sense of the word. I love the fact that the man had to turn like 70-something yeah. to be believable as a tough guy. To First of all, to quit drinking. Right. Like, I'm now 70. I think I'll quit drinking because this has been a bother my whole life. And I think I'll become a uh, the, the top build, you what know. Are, what do you use the murderer in here? Like, like his early yeah. his early shit. Like, he, he couldn't have taken, he, did, he had no way, a way to carry that gravitas. No. Way. I mean, no you think about like what we love about Art Carney initially. It's like you know the golfing lesson. Address uh, the ball. Just, Hello, ball. You know, Norton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just so great uh, in that role, and it was, was so, so interesting. Yeah, and it's too bad when the '80s came around. He he um <coughs> he was sort of relegated again. Like he had his moment, kind of like Walter Matthau had his moment in the '70s. He had his moment. The yeah. '80s came around, and then he was kind of relegated back to second bananas, uh, a banana. Oftentimes in like kind of HBO movies that were not so good. Right, right. Um, but this was his crowning moment. So, ah, God bless him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on, Harry and Tano, yeah. as you said, is it falls into that category of an important movie. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can you can think of it that way or not think of it that way, yep. but it's definitely worth watching. This not an important movie by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but not unenjoyable. Yeah. It's it's a way to it's a way to, to like, go watch a you want to watch a movie you want to you want to enjoy hey you want to watch a movie you want to watch a movie we got movies here step this way I'm just saying it's it's a pretty good movie but uh, you know I wouldn't call it no, like it's not a, it's give not a me top the money give it's her not the a money. top fifty what the fuck are you doing <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's not a top fifty movie but yeah. it's fun yeah it's, worth, it's it's a worthy movie all right so listen obviously as uh is it Max? obviously Max? let me tell you something kid Matt Warner is it Max one whoever it was. Max one as Max one has proven you can you can email us and we'll read your whole goddamn letter. Like we got nothing better to do, man. Nothing at all. Okay. Please consider supporting us on Patreon for oh, yeah, a yeah. mere 
mere $5 a month. And I think, Tom, you've pointed out this is like two cups of coffee a month. You can have... This is, this is, this is one and a half cups of coffee. You can support two guys who are really <coughs> interested in talking about old films and art. But also, it allows us to do to provide you with two a month, two monthly, sorry, secret episodes available only to Patreon subscribers and to the archive of Patreon episodes. Mm-hmm. Provided to you free of charge. Well, not free of charge, no, but... The opposite of free of charge. To, provi- yeah, shut up. Provided <laughs> to you by the tall one and the round one. How it is free for $5, as yes, Tom sir. points out, and also to rate and review us on iTunes. And Tommy, do you have any business? I believe you're a comedian. Yes, I am. So go check me out on uh, my website, uh, tomsmithcomedy.com, to see uh, dates in which I'm playing near you, particularly if you live in Fresno. You'll see those dates a lot. Um, you're you can just move here. Go check it out. You're damn near. Very damn near. So go check that out, please. And uh, and again, join us on uh, Patreon and write and review and send us a new email, man. We love this. We loved having that to talk about. That was so a weird we'd one. We love to have another one. Okay, what so a weird. Th- just, like, just like this innocent little Charlie Bucket fella just sent us an email. It was wonderful. I hate you, Tom. I'll, fucking, I'll, I'll put you in a bucket. <laughs>